0: Hello again, you're very welcome back to the ITAG Podcast Technology Talk from the West of Ireland. This is Philip Smith and delighted on this episode to be joined by Joanne Sweeney. Joanne is a digital marketer, a business owner and the founder of Digital Training Institute, which is a full service digital marketing agency. Joanne, you're very welcome to the ITAG Podcast.
1: delighted to be here and thanks for having me. We're
0: also joined, of course, by our regular uh, visitor, William Johnstone from Trudeau is also with us. You're welcome, William. Great to be back to that's to talk about joanne this digital is such a kind of a a burgeoning space the whole world was already going digital and then we had you know the recent pandemic and it kind of has um really blown the whole thing forward by by a a decade some people say in terms of the, the the pace of change maybe could we start with your journey before when we talk you use the term the accidental entrepreneur Can you tell us how you you got started and your journey?
1: Yeah, so it was never my total ambition to be an entrepreneur. It was never really part of the plan, but I guess I became a single parent at the age of 17 and realized that in the mid 1990s in Northwest Donegal in a small fishing community, I'd have to be quite uh, tenacious and uh, lean into my grit to continue to be a parent and go back to school which is exactly what i did um way back in 1996 and so i i did my leaving cert and i then went off and my ambition was to write so i wanted a career where i could write and where i could get paid for it and so journalism was on my mind from the age of 13 and i was singularly focused on reaching that goal of being a journalist and I tell you, Philip, nothing was going to stop me. No baby, no toddler. And so off we went. I got my Leaving Cert results. I was the first person in my family to go to university. And so then I had the challenge of having a toddler starting in a new county, not knowing anyone, and figuring out how I was going to financially support myself, support Sophie, and that's when I discovered that I was actually quite enterprising. Um, I had a number of jobs, some great businesses in Galway uh, gave me work, the university were amazing. I had the best job in the cloakroom in NUI Galway, you know, that is like the best job, taking people's bags and giving them to them when they head off on the bus. And so through those years and, you know, Sophie coming to lectures with me when I would childcare problems and, and studying and working, i kind of realized only looking back not then looking back that i actually had the qualities that you require to be in business to be tenacious to problem solve uh, to make money or to find money when it's not readily available and to be creative and so these are all the i guess the skills and competencies that i tap into when i'm in business so when did i get into business i got into business my timing was shocking 2007 to remember that time yeah absolutely okay. so that's when the the recession was officially announced in ireland and i had i'd had a number of jobs i started as a broadcast journalist i i worked as ceo and letter kenny chamber at the age of 24 that was kind of my first uh, engagement with with business um I resulted in making it self-sufficient after 18 months and created that first CEO position after 40 years of the organization in being being there and that position still remains today. So I began to get a taste for commercial life, very self-motivated, very proactive. But the one thing that hung all of that together was my ability to communicate and my ability to write. And so in 2007, I just realized the time was right for me to step out on my own um, i felt confident enough and i i set up a, a marketing agency in in donegal and focusing on digital back in 2007
0: on your bio you mentioned a comment that bill cullen made to you about that being a problem for your business why the the, the west of ireland what's different about the west of ireland for for running a business
1: yeah, well, it was difficult to be running a marketing company in Donegal. I mean, in the recession, it felt like I was trying to sell Porsches, you know, because this was a service that was not in demand. And anyone knows in any business, the first budget to be cut is going to be a marketing budget. So I had to pivot and I had to work through that. And digital was certainly something that was raising its head. I saw my industry change and I've always been the type of person that I want to to know what's happening in my inter- industry and I want to be at the cutting edge of it. So during the period of it was 2011 I decided to apply for The Apprentice, the Irish version and I got through to be one of the 16 candidates and I got right to the final. Honestly it was it was a roller coaster but you know what for 10 weeks I was away from home, I was away from my children and we had one supervised phone call a week it was it was crazy but the other side of that it was I was like um, oblivious to the recession we lived in this big house people cooked our meals, we had drivers. <laughs> so for the first four weeks, I was like, oh my God, this is like the holiday that I've needed since I became a mother at 17. So I really settled into it very well. While other people were worrying about the cameras. I was like, I'm quite enjoying this, it's quite unique. But the tasks were that I love hard work and I was never afraid to roll up my sleeves and to put myself forward and you know, and help somebody else out. But anyway, I got to the final along with Eugene and Noel. And Bill said, you know, Joanne, you're a great saleswoman, you're a great PR woman, he said, but really the business is about you and you live in Donegal and mm, it's not very attractive as an investment opportunity for me. And off I went. And that kind of stuck with me, you know, as like, yeah, I am my business. And I knew that was a problem because scalability in business is really what you're looking for. But fast forward to now, to to 2020, and COVID has been a weird gift to, to some of us. And the weird gift that it's given me is that my business aim for the past two years is to, to have a 100% an online business. And I now have that because I niched down about three years ago um, into a particular area of digital marketing for a particular sector, and that is government and public sector.
0: Can I ask about digital literacy, Joanne? Because, you know, where where I'm going is like schools, like, should this be like on the the leaving cert? Or, you know, what, can you you express your views on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, about five, six years ago, I wrote a a programme called Young Minds Online, along with my then... 17 18 year old daughter Sophie and it was watching her go online and go on social and I was able to help her navigate that journey because I understood the social networks and what they were all about so we we created young minds online I actually piloted it in Salerno a secondary school with ty's about 50 students and eight modules and they loved it and I attempted to bring it online I actually brought it to the former Minister for Education Rory Quinn and he said to me in Leinster House it's a great idea John's great idea he said but you know what it's for the private sector to drive it it's not our problem you know, it's not something we should focus on. Like, I totally disagree. And in actual fact, what you have now is that you have d- digital literacy issues at various parts of society, not just to assume that older people don't understand it. But you have younger people who are spending their lives online, but not understanding the nuances or the perhaps the dangers or the threats there. We have businesses who are now sh- shunted onto the Internet. They've been literally shunted on. And they've been offering support. And, you know, they've got websites and they're on social media. But, you know, as William knows, it's one thing to have a website, but it's it's another thing to get traffic to it, to convert it and to build up money. So I believe that digital skills and digital literacy are a fundamental part of our world right now. And because we're communicating online, we're trading online, we're doing diplomacy online and i think it's everyone's responsibility and we had our our minister for higher education launch the Skillnet report five-year strategy recently and center to that was digital skills for business simon harris previous to that and this is a new government department right with this new government also put digital skills along with literacy and numeracy at the center point of his plan as well You know, we all have fear about some elements of the internet, but we are living through the the digital revolution and it's here to stay. And if we cannot, you know, engage in it and have those skills, we are going to be left behind and isolated. So we all have a responsibility to bring our tribes with us, whether it's our family, whether it's our work colleagues, or if it's in government, it's making sure that society um, are are able to, to go online in whatever way they need to.
0: And their, their infrastructure, sorry, William, do you want to jump in on that?
2: Yeah, just on that, do you think a lot of people are just paying lip service to us at the moment, John? Because, you know, there, there's so much going on in the world and there is still so, there's, there's still such a digital divide in many respects, you know, from businesses that are operating online and, what we're you know, allowing our kids to, to be exposed to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very good point. Something worth discussing, you know, are we just paying lip service to digital and think that, you know, throwing money at it initially is going to solve it? We're spending more time online. I think we need to look under the bonnet of what digital can do for society, whether mm-hmm. it's businesses and, you know, digital is, it's broad digital is about communicating digital is about selling digital is about you know negotiating i think that if we're to be serious about digital i think and this is where i guess my business now focuses is that i expect our government and public sector to lead you know we can accuse them sometimes of just paying lip service by you know putting money into things but they actually need themselves to embrace digital fully and to really take it seriously there's no doubt that there will be a divide and those that will grow and succeed will be those that understand digital and i think that digital literacy and foundational digital knowledge is is definitely lacking like i'm you know, working with public sector and you know they're de- very much behind the curve of where the private sector was even five years ago They're they're definitely playing catch up so we need more than money we need more than strategies we actually need meaningful results and teaching people how they can get results depending on what their goals are
0: yeah and there's the whole infrastructure divide as well right so that has been really pronounced since the working from home kind of came front and center like there's parts of not far from where we're all sitting today that don't have adequate broadband to to allow them effectively work from home or, you know, conduct any of these digital services online. So that, that remains a huge issue as well, particularly in the, in, outside the, the large metropolitan areas.
2: Yeah. But it, there's a real, I mean, I, I really think that it's hugely important that as a country we're, you know, we're much more digital literate than we are and that we're doing the right things. But I, I, I'm. I struggle to see where the leadership on it is coming from, you know, from a, from a policymaker's perspective. And if you take, you know, the example of the schools, you know, when we were, when we uh, went into lockdown, it was, there there was nothing came out from the department about this is what you, you know, this, here's the platform, here's what you should be doing. So you guys go figure it out for yourselves, make it up yourselves and the schools that, have you know good leadership and good digital literacy in them already? Were able to cope and manage, and then the other ones were just an absolute disaster. And I, I know that I personally saw both sides of that. So it's there, there's really there, there's there's a really bad need to to, to drive this at a, at a proper governmental level rather than just you know letting people off to their to their own devices that begs the question
1: do you know do policy and politicians actually understand what digital strategies that they need to implement because it's very hard to introduce it if you don't understand it and i'm currently writing um the state of social media in the public sector report 2020 i did it first time in 2018 so i analyze over 300 government and public sector organizations i take five social networks and i do a deep dive into how they're engaging in public messaging on social media and you know those results will speak for themselves but you that that digital divide that we speak about is actually evident at the top yeah and so that's where my point was we, we if in order to uh, to campaign on a topic you actually need to be the, the advocate and showing leadership yourselves, right? You know, that's what we're looking for. So, you know, if there's not buy-in at a government or public sector level, then how are we going to expect to get, you know, to, to digital to be mainstream and, and not to have the East-West, the urban rural divide that exists, the haves and the haves-nots. We know that that's what happens in society. know I used to be a have-not person you know but I wanted to jump to the other side but I knew education was the bridge that was going to break that divide for me and and you know I had that from a very very young age I was I had an awareness of my community I had an awareness of you know the, the culture there the culture of education so but I knew that the to walk over that bridge by getting a third level education was going to change my life and for now for people you know there are industries that are decimated that there are businesses that will never recover from this you know government support will not be the solution but what will be the solution is teaching people how to be an entrepreneur and how to leverage technology to be the master of what you want to do. And, and that's what I decided to do. I decided to scale, not by hiring more people or having offices in other parts of the country. I decided to scale by having hundreds of people take a course that I designed for government and public sector. And now they take it from around the world. Mm. But I don't need to you know, make parts of myself in terms of time. I am leveraging technology. I have one piece of technology that I use that is eight business systems, right? from a learning management system to a CRM, to e-commerce, uh, to marketing and landing pages, to analytics, um, and that cost me 99 quid a month. You know, So there are, the technology is there, but we need the bandwidth, we need the internet, but we need the skills and the training. So there's a huge gap in skills and training and people have fear.
0: Yeah, yeah we could do a whole, series of podcasts on the, on the policy implications and you know the like the opportunities that are there too like for a small open economy like ours because we're small we could pivot more speedily with the right focus compared to larger economies i would argue but yeah we can maybe we can have another discussion about that could i move on to we talked about digital literacy and the education side of it and you know part of that is people having an awareness of when they engage with these services like the free services that you get from your large big tech companies we all know who we're talking about but i won't mention them i think historically people always thought or this language was used that you know you are the product but you're not really the product it's your attention is the product it's your eyeballs are are, are the product it's not you per se or the product it's it's your attention is the product would you agree with that
1: yeah so you're you're talking about as businesses and we're we're competing for the attention of customers right where we find on the internet via search or social so we in my business right in digital marketing and william understands this too you know i'm constantly trying to 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 get the right person number one to come to my website then i need them to engage with me okay and i need their attention And um, then i need to get them like down my funnel um, and to to give them something free in return and then i know that they're a potential lead And that's what it is where we are competing for attention. There is no recession on the internet. Your customer base is there, but what you need in order to have a viable business is discoverability, but then you need people to actually engage. And those data sets that results in the digital activity. So every action we take online leaves a footprint. All that data gives us insights into who We likes our content, maybe likes our product, and then what we should do next, because we can see it. And yeah, I totally agree. That's what, you know, who said it? It was at the head of digital at Wolfgang Digital in Dublin, said that data is the new oil. And that companies that use data are now at the top of the stock exchange where oil companies used to be. We live in a very, very different place. And this could be another whole podcast series on, data
0: which I'm no expert in but yeah yeah they know more about ourselves than we than we do ourselves sometimes on on the subject of information about people Joanne to on a lighter note just to throw a couple of quick fire questions at you to to get inside the mindset of Joanne Sweeney who is the owner and founder of the Digital Training Institute who has joined us on the itag podcast are you an android or an iphone person
1: oh iphone and mac
0: i guess my (laughs) next question mac or windows it's mac all the way connected devices are you a texter or a talker or talker answer yeah a A talker. talker your favorite podcast outside of yours or this one
1: i really like whose podcast now is number one there's a few there I really should give a shout out to an Irish one, and actually a fellow Galwegian. I'm going to give a shout out to Sheila uh, Sheila Shoigas podcast. It's really nice, and it's a beautiful podcast to listen to. She has great guests, very authentic. So I recommend you guys subscribe to that.
0: Dogs or cats?
1: Currently have three cats. Brought up with dogs. I'll have to say cats.
0: You ask permission. Oh. Beg forgiveness.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh. A uh, forgiveness all the time. <laughs>
0: yeah. Can you say something in Japanese? Sushi? Good. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. bird. The last song you downloaded. Um you to if you don't download.
1: Uh, yeah well I, I add them to my to my playlist. It was actually Rush Hour, I added to my playlist. I can't remember. It's a song from the eighties. You'll have to go to Spotify now and just search. Uh, Rush Jane Hour. Hmm?
0: That would be Jane Weedlin, if I remember correctly. Oh, well
1: done you. Thanks for helping me out there.
0: Uh, in a, in a prior life, I used to do a bit of music DJing. So I kind of a bit of an eighties repertoire going around in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think I'd be talking about that today. Do you have a favorite place in the West of Ireland?
1: Oh, anywhere by the sea. I grew up by the sea. I'm living here by the sea in Barna, and I, I'll never go too far. I love to run by the sea. So coastlines.
0: Very good. Thanks, Joanne. We just a bit of fun just throughout some of those questions, and uh, I know that we put people on the spot. So appreciate the 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 candid responses. Could we go back to kind of matters more digital? You know, we, we've covered you know a lot of ground on you know your journey to date in terms of things are changing so quickly so as a as a digital marketing professional how do you how do you keep up to date with trends or new opportunities that you see on the horizon
1: so a couple of things one is being a practitioner will always keep you current okay so when something is new you try it out and introducing like content features into your business so podcasting, YouTube shows, live streams, simulcasts, all of those help to keep you current. I also then think that having a podcast and me interviewing people who work in marketing, digital marketing, keeps me current because I'm learning from them. And then you have a couple of go-to sources. So for me, Matt Navarra, who's based in Wales, is a really great, um, he's got a great newsletter. Is it called The Geek? Um, He kind of does a roundup of what's happened in the world of social every week um, and then Social Media Examiner which hold their, the biggest social media conference in the world I used to write for them they're brilliant again um, on keeping up to date so having a couple of trusted sources and then being a practitioner is is what works for me
0: So can we talk a little bit about standing out from the crowd Joanne you, you, you mentioned earlier about you know the funnel and finding the right people that you want to attract to your website how how should businesses and i guess and this isn't just a business question right We're, we all have personal digital brands out there as well whether it's for our careers or whatever how what advice or tips would you give to in terms of how to be discovered your kind of reputation that stands out above all the noise that's out there
1: It's a really great question. So I'm a real subscriber to the philosophy of build the brand of you. Um, I guess my friends and family um, (laughs) see me and think that I'm a bit OTT, but your brand is your business. And that has a commercial value in the marketplace and in the world where we are right now, where it's easy to see and to communicate with anyone. People don't want to hear from corporate logos anymore. They want to hear from the people. You know, we can we watch the the American election for three, four or five days. We could watch Kamala Harris congratulate Joe Biden on that phone call in the White House. We can watch Insta stories, LinkedIn stories and get behind the scenes. We're interested in people. So investing in the brand of me has been something that, you know, I've done over the years and how I've done it is you know, not trying to be an Instagram influencer. It's actually speaking about what I know. So that's why I write books. That's why I produced studies. That's why I have a podcast. And that's why I, you know, engage in vlogging on YouTube is that I want to be known for what I know to attract the people who will want to work with me. And also by displaying how I work and my approaches, people will make a decision right there and right then if I, for them, because I talk about open and transparent government and I talk about digital communications um, from the perspective of the citizen. And so you'll very quickly get to know, you know, how I operate and what I subscribe to in terms of, you know, my business frameworks and what I'm sharing. Um, And for me, that kind of cuts short the sales journey because they get to know me, they get to like me, they get to trust me, but they get to decide before they reach out whether they want to do business with me or not. And that is hugely powerful and it cuts the sales cycle um, when that content is in front of the right people at the right time. And also content, authority content is constantly filling your pipeline. And so, you know, and it's also, you get a great ROI on that sort of authority positioning. So understanding that your personal brand has a professional role and people get nervous about the boundaries of where that line is crossed. One thing I have, I have a rule of three and the rule of three is uh, what I share online, would I say it on a radio interview to go back to my radio days? Uh, would I say it in a boardroom where my clients are? And would I say it in front of my mother? And so it's kind of like my rule of three. And if I, the answer is yes, then you know I'm, I'm happy to press publish. Um, so you really have to have a strong sense of why, um, and then you create your own boundaries. Like I can't put my rule of three on anyone else. People have to create their own personal professional boundaries.
0: William, were you looking to get in there? Sorry. The
2: that building, you know, your your own brand, and yeah, I suppose doing that self. Uh, Publicising to to a degree, a lot of people have a real difficulty with it because they're uncomfortable with it, and it's probably an older generation that they, they, not, uh, probably my generation and you know and older that probably have more of an issue with it. What bit of advice would you have for people in in that respect, John?
1: I would say think about your customer. It's not about you; it's about the customer. You were showing up for them. They, they need to, to hear what you have to say. So just say it to them. Um, we now live in a remarkable time. I used to be a broadcast journalist. So people used to send me in press releases. I had the power to put it on the bulletin or to put it in the bin. You know, those days are gone. For people who were nervous, think about your customer. Think about how showing up for them is giving them amazing value in terms of answering their questions or sharing insights or tips. And in actual fact, you know, it will show in the bottom line if you start doing it. um, Because that's how we've evolved as a society in terms of communications and buying products. And actually there's a study released by Talkwalker in conjunction with HubSpot and it's the 2021 social media trends. And they asked industry experts to predict their social media trends for 2021. And then what they did is they actually surveyed 2,000 marketers to to rank them. And the number one trend for 2021 is the rise of the socially conscious consumer and companies. So now we actually want to hear from companies and people, but people in those companies who have particular views on things so it might be diversity it might be equality it might be gender pay equality and actually and I see it in my daughter Sophie's now 25 and I see the brands that she follows I see her talking about fast fashion and I see her making conscious purchasing decisions um, based on brands that are socially conscious but those brands that are socially conscious are having a conversation with their customers. They're showing up as people and not just as brands. So I think it's a trend that's evolving, and it's, think about the customer if if you're a little bit uh, nervous about it. And you know what? The only way to get over the fear is to do it. Otherwise, it'll it'll always be a barrier. And maybe look at your competitors. Sometimes a a little shunt from a competitor can can really move you into action. Um, if you if you see them getting ahead. But don't
2: make it about you. And the you see a lot of people, you know, they they get all enthusiastic and they're you know they're, they're really diligent. They post a lot of content and then they post less, and it's you know it just drops off to a, a complete standstill. And there's there's a massive amount of businesses out there that have gone through that cycle. What what bit of advice would you have for those guys, kind of guys?
1: yeah content creation and consistency is important if you're going to do content it has to be consistent and um, consistency also trumps virality so it is playing the long game if you're struggling with consistency what I would say is choose one format that works for you best so the spoken word like podcasting it's so natural the you know it's a conversation you get to know somebody It's it's intimate as a as a form of communication, choose what you like to do. I'm a writer, so I don't mind blogging. And um, If you can have a conversation, then use live streaming. There's no post-production. You press live on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever you want, YouTube, and have a conversation with somebody, and then you press stop, and it's there. Um, or if podcasting is your thing, find your your area where you're most comfortable and just choose it. But the other beauty of it is, is that we can repurpose So, you know, there's this tool, it's amazing. It's called Descript.com, D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T.com. And what it does is that if you upload your video or your piece of audio, it will transcribe it for you. It's got a great freemium version, I think up to three hours. But also, if you're not good at video editing, what you can do is you can edit the text. So let's say I said something amazing in 20 seconds, right, in in this podcast and you have the video. You could actually just edit my text and it clips the video. So tech, it's amazing technology. So then you've got words for your blog post. You've got audio for your podcast. You've got the full video for YouTube. And then you've got snippets for social. The spoken word also with the spoken word. It's that stream of consciousness. So we're having a conversation. I didn't prepare my answers, but it feels rich, hopefully, and, and meaningful and there's a real sense of believability in it you know and we're just doing it we we showed up at a time and we're all having this chat and that becomes very authentic and i know that's a new buzzword and can be overused but that's just what it is it's human it's real and so find the content that works for you and if you can't do it every week do it every month because the worst thing that you can do is overcommit and underdeliver And then the second thing is if you don't see content actually delivering a return that's probably why then it drops off you go wasting all my time not seeing any sales coming in so you need to know your numbers you need to know how you're funneling the podcast to the website to the freebie to the paid for product
0: change the content back to you know get the numbers up by changing the uh, the content of what you're pushing out it it's fascinating Subject, and we could keep talking about it all day. We we are coming near to the end, but I did want to ask a few more for the benefit of our listeners, Joanne, in terms of your career journey and and the lessons learned along the way. You know, what piece of career advice would you give to somebody embarking on on a career in in digital? Niche down to scale
1: up. After eight years in business, I had that realization. I was doing digital marketing for anyone that was happy to do business with me, and I was happy to do it. But then I realized that to to scale um, in the way that I wanted to scale, that I needed to niche down. And that was a super aha moment for me. And then I committed to seeing it through. And so now I, I specialize in government and public sector. And it's what I've been able to do in two years versus eight shortcut at me to success. So find your niche that you care about. I mean, my why is better uh, communications and transparency in government and public sector for the citizen, but I can help the, the government from a technical and a strategy point of view.
0: Everything is yeah. awesome. So we, we don't really, we don't really do the everything is awesome
2: we don't do it we don't do it very well, but I suppose a lot of people are you know while if they're promoting their business, then it's it's one thing you know when they're interacting with their team, with their friends, you know with their organization, it's probably something a little bit different, and how do we kind of separate or how do we? approach social and digital from that perspective, you know, to maybe build our own personal brands within the organizational environment?
1: So the world of digital is also a place to build your personal brand and you can do it a number of ways, but you've got to do it in a place where you feel safe, confident, and that will build your confidence to try other things. The Reputation Agency in Ireland recently released a report of the top 100 leaders in Ireland on LinkedIn. And that makes for very interesting uh, reading. There are a lot of tech people in there. There are a lot of government and public sector, and there are a lot of business leaders in there. And now we're shifting to an age whereby, you know, we used to only hear from people who were interviewed on the traditional news bulletins, and they were the influencers. Whereas now we want to hear from subject matter experts, COVID has proven that we need more subject matter experts on the internet. Twitter in Ireland released data of the increase in researchers, scientists, physicians, and those working in technology that joined their platform because they realized there were vacuums and voids in conversations where, you know, everybody was an expert suddenly on, you know, health tech or on on a vaccine. Um, or on creating an app for for COVID. And so what happened was that was a nice prompt for more subject matter experts to step out and to say, hey, you know, this is fact based on research. We have experience and that's what we're looking for. So you need to be part of a more global conversation. That report that I mentioned in terms of 2021 trends, the number two trend for 2021, and it was one that, that I put forward, is actually the rise of digital misinformation. The rise of digital misinformation is caused by vacuums on the internet, where we have people who are bad actors, who are spreading misinformation, whether it's for their own commercial gain, uh, whether it's for the purposes of propaganda or whatever. We need people to step into the fold. And so when I look at tech companies and those now working in health and science, I'm really looking to their leaders to say, our staff need to be on LinkedIn. We need to be talking about what we're developing and what we're doing. This is called social media for good. It's all part of digital citizenship and sitting behind and not being part of those important conversations could be detrimental to policies that are made, to political decisions that are made and I'm not encouraging people to get political, but informing citizens and informing audiences online of truth and fact Um, and of research-based evidence is really, really important. So I think we all have a a responsibility to do social media for good because this world is changing and changing fast and we can see it in other parts of the world, how the internet is being used as almost as warfare. Um, And so, you know, me stepping up and talking about what makes social media for good from a government and public sector point of view is me contributing. But I talk about what I know and when you stick to what you know in the context of your work, I think that's a safe place to be. And I think we all should be spokespersons and not just the CEO or the CIO, because we all have a story to tell and that's it. They become little stories and anecdotes and then they're on the internet forever. And that's where the truth lies. And what you should do is you should write down your subject matter in a couple of keywords and you should put it into Google. And you should you will then find who owns the space for that authority content, um, and if it's bad actors, then you know you need to fill those voids.
2: There's a number of people that just use the social channels, LinkedIn or whatever, to sell, 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 and I think that everybody becomes really tired of that, and you know starts to switch off after after maybe the tenth sell in in a row and um, probably not even the 10th selling in a row. So I think we, we need to get back to that, you know, using our voice and using our voice for the things that we know, understand, and and con- can contribute to.
1: Yeah, and you know, the the metrics will then speak for themselves, those engagement metrics, the likes, the comments, the shares, the the growth and the followers. And I even see in the, in the iTag network, and that as a brand, I now see the people because I, I meet them on LinkedIn. You know, I connect with them. We have conversations and, and that's what it's about. It's turning a brand into a pool of people that have a face, a voice and a story. And, you know, I talk about the S3 age in my book. All that is, is search, social, combined with stories. Storytelling is at the center of it. And so if you're not selling, just come and tell a story. And I think everybody could do that. And, I was on with Deirdre from LinkedIn last week on a a joint, a a similar event. And she said that on LinkedIn, when staff speak, the the reach and the engagement levels are 657% greater than when a corporate voice speaks. So there's been an evolution of digital and digital storytelling. We want to hear from people
0: and the and the kind of call to action because I, I think will what you were picking up on earlier was so there is a reticence put yourself out there i did like the the advice you gave around you know finding what you're you know kind of nearly what you're standing for and find what what's out there for that and then you can either row in with that and join that discussion or you started off an alternate discussion to kind of fill that fill that void it can be overwhelming
1: yeah. And, you know, breaking through that fear barrier is the first step. And the more you think about it, the more fearful you'll get. Uh, so look at look at a colleague, see a colleague who's, who's doing LinkedIn well and, you know, talk to them.
0: Joanne Sweeney, digital marketer, business owner and comms professional with some insightful and inspirational advice to niche down to scale up. Thanks, Joanne, for joining us on the iTech podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. See you later.
0: You can listen back to prior episodes. We're on SoundCloud or indeed wherever you get your podcasts. You can also catch us on social media. Just look for Itag Podcast or Atlantic. Until next time, from Philip Smith, take care.